Hi, I'm Gassien. I play for Ori Hockey Club in Brussels, Belgium, and you're listening to Talk Hockey Radio. Welcome to another edition of Talk Hockey Radio. Uh, I'm joined here by my co-hosts, Simon and Fraser. Hi there, Simon. Hello. Hi, Fraser. Hi, Taff. How are you doing? Not too bad. How are you guys doing? I'm good, thank you. Doing Very good. good. Excited for the return of hockey. Yeah, yeah. It's not long now, is it? What, next week is it for some people? Uh, depending on whether they've actually got uh, pitches to go back to. <laughs> another problem, of course. But yeah, we can probably talk about that a little bit later on in the show then. Um, so, Fraser... As as the um, you know master of ceremonies, what what have we got uh, planned this week? Okay, so we've got several things to talk about this week. We're going to start off with a tribute, which will be made by Taff. Uh, we're then going to talk about the end of the England hockey season, the recent Ireland versus GB series, uh, Ashley Jackson's recent announcement, the new England hockey pathways that have just come out, and the Australian investigation report findings coming out. Or not so much, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'd just like to pay tribute to Jane Knuckles, who passed away uh, recently, a great ambassador of sport. Um, she was an umpire, uh, an umpire at quite a high level, also a mentor, an umpire educator. She used to work for England Hockey uh, along uh, quite a few years ago, <laughs> and unfortunately, she passed away this week. And it was a bit of a shock to me, actually, because, like, you know, uh, I'd only spoken to her, what was it now, about three, four months ago? And I knew she was not well, but I didn't really realise she wasn't that not well. But, yeah, I I, I know. It was an honour to uh, know the woman, and there's been a lot of tributes to her on social media from people that knew her and and all very, obviously, positive and uh, and things like that. I think you, I mean, you and I first met her, Asai, uh, way back in 2007 when we first did our uh, volunteering. Is that right, isn't it? Yeah. um, In 2007, I think she was in charge of uh, volunteers, and for me, she kind of set, uh, the tone for what life is like as a volunteer um, obviously there's lots of fun bits yeah. um, but it's also about doing a duty to to deliver the event properly to remain as neutral as you can in situations um, to be as fair to the competitors as possible which probably comes out of her experience as an umpire uh, and an umpire manager mm-hmm. um, and yeah I mean she, she could be quite hard and tough when she needed to be uh, she's a lot of fun as well. There's been some lovely photographs uh, circulating around social media um, of, of her relaxing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, and, and as an umpire, you know, her influence was massive, not just in England, uh, but well beyond that. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot, a lot of nice tributes paid on social media again by people about that. Um, so, yeah, I, I haven't seen her for a long time, but from an early point in my sort of hockey life, she had a big impact. And I'm sure I'm well, I know I'm not the only one uh, who, who has experienced that. And I feel so sad for those who, who will have known her better. Mm. Uh, yeah. And as you said, it was sort of quite a shock to a lot of people. Yeah. Did you did you, have you, did you ever know about her, uh, Fraser, or, or met her or anything like that in your hockey? No, I can't say I ever had the pleasure of meeting her. Uh, she's one of those names that kind of gets thrown around and so you're sort of aware of them but you know yeah unfortunately never had the, the pleasure of meeting her oh you would have, you would have liked her honestly she was she was like like a character i mean a good character <laughs> can, I, can i say basically you know she she like you say inside she came across pretty hard you know sometimes or or very stern kind of thing but you know what i'll tell you what when you got to know her, she was like a, a proper good laugh and, um, you know, like an inspiration, like you were saying again. Um, but, yeah, very sad for the hockey family to lose someone like that. Um, and we'd like to give our condolences to the family of friends of Jane Knuckles. Um, there you go. OK, let's let's go on before I, I start crying. <laughs> I've just, just quickly searched her name in my uh, inbox and I've got emails going back well over a decade from her about volunteering wow um yeah. and also advice on rules that she sent out yeah yeah um, well, she, i mean she i think she was a, she was a big a big catalyst for um improving umpiring in in the uk um you know in england and and or whatever uh, and throughout the world like you're saying as well um and i think she was probably one of the first people to actually get this umpiring like programs going and properly 
you know, in a in a in a better organised way and whatever. Um, and I think that was one of her, obviously one of her jobs at uh, England Hockey um, to improve umpiring and I think that's basically what she did there's there's been like I said not there's been loads of good tributes to her um people saying how how they've been influenced by her positively um uh you know in in the in the umpiring fraternity and things like that so yeah next uh Fraser okay so next we're going to talk about the end of the England hockey season yeah uh, I saw I saw some weeks and social media stuff about this but go on then yeah so it's basically the official announcement for the majority of the leagues that the season is a write-off yeah. there are some where they are trying to complete half a season I think this is the case with the, the higher up leagues uh, to sort out promotion relegation and mm. stuff like that but for the most part uh, they just drew a line under however many games were played and have asked teams to just play out as many friendlies as they can. Mm. Uh, I don't know about either of you two, but there was no chance that my league could have got all of the games played. No, no, definitely not for us, uh, for sure. I mean, I think we we talked about this before, haven't we? I mean, uh, something came out, uh, was it last month or something, to say that um, some of the leagues obviously will not carry on. Uh, I'm pretty sure Lancashire basically did something similar to that to sort of like say um, whatever you've done, it's you've done, uh, and unfortunately there there is no there is no league from now on. So when we come back to playing again, there's no league. So basically go and do some summer league or whatever, or play friendlies until the end of the season. And I think that's basically what um, the clubs uh, around here are going to be doing. Um, I don't know whether it's the same for you, Si. Yeah, so um, in our men's first team league in Cambridge, it was difficult because they also have Cardiff, who just to even do half a season, still had seven games to play. Um, so then it, there was talk about doing double headers, but obviously that's not really in the athletes' interests. And a few of the Cardiff guys play for Wales, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so they've got the Euros to take into consideration as well. Um, so it did seem unlikely uh, that it's going to happen. Um, below that, feeding in uh, that. East Premier Divisions, so Premier for men and Premier for women. They're currently planning to play with no relegations, no obligation to play, but they will try and promote because of the restructuring taking place in, in the Conference of, of National League. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know over in Wales, a team was promoted to National League uh, with the season ended. So they decided to end the regional Prem, yeah. but promote from where they were at that point. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, and then otherwise uh, we have uh, a lot of summer hockey scheduled across the area with sort of local leagues. So in Cambridge, all the local clubs are playing one another. Um, so it'll be sort of like home and away, uh, a few friendlies against other clubs, um, lots of mixed training in the summer, that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, it's unfortunate, but I'm not sure it's a huge surprise, unfortunately. No, I think I think we, we all knew it was coming. It's, it's unfortunate that it's happened, but, you know, um, to be to me, even back back in September or, you know, when we when we came back doing the uh, podcast and stuff and my, as you know, my thoughts were that we might as well just play this, play, play this a year out because we... Because I had an inkling on even then, because we'd already had two lockdowns, <laughs> that it would basically, you know, not be a great season for us or for anyone really. And uh, playing it out as a friendly season, then seeing out what happens, would have been probably a better idea to do it that way, uh, especially with the restructuring of the leagues um, at the start of uh, September anyway. But yeah, what about you, uh, Fraser? Your your clubs and whatever leagues in Yorkshire are doing the same? Yeah, I mean, like I say, there, there was no chance that our league could have played out the games. Mm. Uh, just from you know the, the few local clubs to us, uh, when we moved into the tier system, uh, at that point, we could only play uh, other teams close by. And they were the only two league games that we'd actually got in at that point. Mm. So we would have had eight games to rearrange each um, against opposition that are all outside of our tier area mm. and there's just no feasible way that we could have done it Yeah, with think, uh, think, all having to play the same clubs. I think extending the league or whatever is probably would not have been a good idea because obviously clubs still have um, you know uh, overheads to uh, to consider with regards to like coaches, um, you know extra, possibly extra pitch uh, hiring and things like that um, but definitely for like coaching and stuff like that, especially if you've actually paid your coach um, like on a um, on a, a yearly or a season basis rather than a, on an individual uh, coaching 
basis and stuff. So I think it's it's the right decision. So fingers crossed. This is the only lockdown we're going to have within the season. Fingers crossed we'll have everything, like all the vaccines will work and uh, uh, whatever uh, from September onwards and we won't have another lockdown. Although apparently there's going to be a third wave, but hopefully that's going to be outside our season and we'll be able to play hockey uh, when September comes. I, I don't have anything else to add to that one, to be honest with you. <laughs> What's next? Uh, so next we're going to talk about the uh, Ireland versus GB series. Uh, now this was the anniversary series uh, for the first women's international game. Uh, I believe it was so- sponsored by Softco. Yeah. Uh, and it was broadcast in the UK on BBC Sport. Yeah. Uh, did either of you manage to catch all three games? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't catch all three games. I caught the first two. Um, I didn't see the last one, unfortunately. But um, go on then. I'm presuming you guys did, so let's talk about it. Yeah, so from the three games, the series ended up as a, a draw, uh, with both teams picking up a win and then a draw in the last game. Uh I thought the coverage was really good to say that it was being done at a school, not at a, a kind of sports stadium where it was set up with TV coverage in mind. Uh, I think streaming it over the internet actually helps or actually helped in this situation uh, because I think the frame rate was much higher than on normal broadcast TV. So I actually found it slightly easier to follow the ball for the most part. Uh, there was a, a small period uh, in the second half of the first game where you couldn't see anything because of the rain uh, but there was a, a quick cutaway and the cameraman got to wipe his lens so yeah i saw, I saw that bit. <laughs> i was like quite funny but i mean you like you're saying they did a good job overall anyway um but yeah what what do you what do you think of the of the of the actual games themselves then boys um uh, simon's smiling a little bit there <laughs> I think first of all, again, I, you know, I always stick up for them. I think the umpires did a good job. They got a bit of flack, but bear in mind they haven't umpired a game of hockey for probably <laughs> nearly a year. Um, so uh, that's a, that's a tough thing to be thrown into. Um, so I thought it's worth mentioning. I thought you know they, it's a tough challenge to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't think GB could leave that very happy. Um, Ireland played well. They looked certainly the better team in a lot of it. Um, we gave away a penalty stroke per game, I believe. Um, yeah, saw that. <laughs> that's obviously not ideal. Um, you know, the, 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 the GB women's team are going to know. They'll know it, but it wasn't good enough. Yeah, uh, I mean, you were saying about the... Somebody about, wanted to go wrong. <laughs> yeah, but you're saying about the penalty stroke. I mean, the first one that I saw was the, the penalty stroke given away by uh, Maddie Hinch um, in the first game, I believe, yeah? I was looking back on that, and obviously they didn't have any video referrals and stuff. But when they played the f- uh, footage back, it actually looked like Maddie had actually got a touch on the ball, and then the player sort of like you know went over on her. It was definitely a penalty stroke. Was it? Was it? Do you think? Uh, as you know, Taff, we don't argue with umpires after a game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying. Listen, I'm not saying. I'm not arguing with the umpire. Obviously, at the time, they did a good job because they've got no way of actually doing a video referral anyway. So they do it on instinct, don't they, anyway? So. But yeah, I just uh, I thought it was a bit... Mm, I thought it was very, very close, though. Very close. But anyway. Sorry, go on. No, no, you're shaking your head. Yeah, no, all right, yeah, it's yeah, no, I think you can also tell from the players' reactions. No one no one bothered appealing that. No, true. You have to clear the ball properly if you take them down. Mm. It's not the taking her down that was a foul. It was that the ball hadn't been cleared properly, and therefore she missed the opportunity to have what was probably going to be a goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, Fraser, what do you think of it? I mean, we know what uh, Simon was saying. Yeah. Me. I mean, it was always going to be a very tame performance from both sides. No one's going to run out and play the most competitive hockey right before the Euros and the Olympics, Mm. which are both being played this year. So if they do have any uh, special strategies that they're wanting to incorporate, maybe it's a penalty corner routine, maybe it's a new formation, maybe it's a new style of prep, whatever it it could be, they're not going to run it out in a friendly, let's be fair, blow the dust off series like there's no uh, there's no international points being played for Uh, if I'm remembering correctly they're uncapped games as well yeah it's a chance for him to go out and as I say blow the dust off I feel like had we not just been in lockdown this might have been played as like a an under 21s game or something like that rather than the full international teams or maybe it would have been a one-off match um but with what's coming up later this year i think they were always going to try and play it 
as basic as possible. Mm. And I think, as Simon has pointed out, basic did not really fit with GB in the games. Uh, I do think they looked uh, the weaker of the two teams in, in several of them. Mm. For me, I, I feel like we are still missing a centre forward for the GB women's who is going to kind of demand the ball in the D and get goals. Mm. Um, one of the goals I think came from uh, Unsworth. Yeah, very good goal as well. It was a very good That's goal, don't get me wrong. But Allen, I think, was involved. Really nice setup and a great finish. They've been playing her in an advanced position recently, Unsworth. Like you see some of the training photos. Mm. They've been popping her near the circle, which was interesting to see. Can yeah, you tell me the last time you saw her score, though? Pardon? Can you tell me the last time you saw her score? Uh, well, it's normally broken down short corners, isn't it? <laughs> so, so That is a bloody nice finish. It was, as I say, taking nothing away from the goal, but she's not a, a name that you instantly think goal scorer when you, you talk about her. Yeah, no, it's true. They, they have had Tess injured, who I would, I think everyone would hope would be one of the first names on the sheet for Tokyo. Mm. Um, and she is someone who seems to be a committed goal scorer. Um, and in years to come, hopefully could maybe fill the shoes of Danson in terms of can craft a goal out of nothing. Uh, and knows and knows when to be sensible and get something else out of the circle. We we are we are missing we are missing someone like Danson, aren't we? Really, I, I think we spoke about this uh, 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 quite a while ago. Uh, site we we're missing an out and out Danson type player at the moment. Um, you know, Tess is good is good and maybe she can fill that like you're saying. But we need someone that is already there and then can help Tess to sort of like kind of get into that. Um, you know, legendary kind yeah, of performance, like like we're saying, was it Sophie yeah, we need, Bray? We need her back. Yeah, we need her club mate Sophie to come back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She's still uh, the best strikers in women's hockey. Isn't she? Isn't she one of the better forwards in the EHL or whatever? Yeah, I think she was one of the high scorers in, in being avoided. Um, yeah, it's disappointing that she's stepped away. She's uh, a quality player. She's a scary player. That's what you need. Yeah. Uh, but for whatever reason, she she stopped. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're listening to Sophie, get back in there. Go on. Um, I thought you were going to say get in touch and Simon will interview you. Yeah, that too. Absolutely. That too. That too. I'll, I'll interview her. I'm not bothered. Or you can do it, Fraser. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely think, you know, someone like Sophie is probably needed um, in the in the team as well to bolster that forward sort of lineup. Um, and I, I just think, you know, we've got the def- good defenders. We've got some good, really good midfielders. We just need a little bit more of a um, a, more of a bit of a group at at the front you know at at the striking front area of of England hockey as well Well, they're not they're not a bad team there's a lot of really talented potential in there yeah Um, some some rough diamonds or whatever you want to call it so You know, it's still time to go. But the other thing that's worth saying is Ireland haven't played in a long time. Uh, I think their last competitive match would have been, or their last match, full stop, would have been 2019. They've not even been able to train too much. Yeah. And they look good. You yeah. Know, Chloe Watkins looked fantastic. Uh, Nikki Daly was popping up. Um, uh, what was her name? Anna Flanagan, Anna O'Flanagan, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, some some great play. Uh, yeah, was it Anna O'Flanagan with a nice little goal? Uh, yeah, I think it was. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so, you know, I think that's... I'm really excited for the Irish. I think they could be really interesting. I, what they I do. Actually, yeah. You know, I actually think they, they up their game all, all the time against, you know, teams that they foresee to be above them, you know, like, as in, you know, better than them or whatever, okay? They seem to sort of, like, come out and perform so much better than anyone ever expects them to against, um, you know, teams like, you know, GB or whatever. Um, But... And then you got people, you know, you got GB not actually stepping up to counter that. They, you like, you, like you both have said, you know, um, Ireland did actually play much, much better than GB, and they looked a lot better than GB as well. They're very GB are very lucky to to have not got more goals against them, and also not to not to have come out away from this series uh, as a draw. Very lucky, I think. And then again, it could just be the skills. You know, they would. They, that's not what they were planning to do. And, and maybe, like you were saying, Fraser, they, they weren't planning to give away too much of their, you know, strategy pre um, Olympics or Euros or whatever. So it could, it could be. It could be that. Who knows? Maybe they wanted to just have a relaxing series. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Apart from a few Guinnesses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, you know, let's see what happens at, uh, at the Euros and let's see what happens at uh, the Olympics, which are, which we all know now uh, are playing. Um, uh, it's not really in closed doors, is it? Really, they're saying no international. Um, yeah, playing spectators. to home crowds only. Yeah, yeah home crowds only for local people. Yeah, yeah. So it's not going to be closed doors, but you know there'll be crowds there. But you know they'll all be they'll all be cheering for the local teams. <laughs> Like when we, when the Rugby World Cup was there, the Japanese local fans got massively behind whichever team they decided to support that day. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they learned all the songs that they wanted to learn and they really went for it. They kind of adopted countries. Yeah. So they've shown they can do it. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, you know, it'll be good. It'll be good. I mean, it needs to, it needs to go ahead, but whether it's closed doors, whether it's local spectators only or whatever. So it's a shame, though, there's, like, you know, some volunteers from this country and around the world that wanted to go to uh, Tokyo, which who are not going to be able to do that. Some, obviously, that we know as well, so um, yeah. not going to be able to do that, which is a shame because we've got some world-class volunteers here who would probably have done a really good job at delivering hockey and all the other events that they might have volunteered for. <sighs> okay, right. Let's go. For, let's go on to the next one, Fraser. Okay, so the next thing we've got to talk about is Ashley Jackson and his announcement that he is stepping away from the international game again. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I found I, I was a bit shocked by this because um he's he, he, he's obviously he, he came back. Um, and in the Olympic year that we are in now, obviously it's a year after, he he kind of says he's not going to be playing anymore. I, I just find that a little bit strange because why has he not waited until after Tokyo? I mean, there's been a, a, a number of players have announced their retirement um, with the moving of the Olympics just because uh, the they don't want to go through the, the cycle for another year. Mm. And I suppose at a certain point, if you don't think you've got another year of that level of competition and training and all the management that goes into being a, a truly elite level athlete, mm. y- you know, the best option is to step away. Mm. Um, I, th- I suppose, I mean, we, we're, t- we're talking about this before and uh, it could be the fact that, you know, you get into the mentality of <clears throat> having this cycle of four years and then, uh, you know, training for the Olympics and, and going there. And when, when it's extended for a year, maybe it's it's one of those, oh, you know, it's it's mentally challenging to actually apply yourself for that extra year to play, you know, uh, at, at the Olympics or whatever. Um I don't know. Let's yeah, see. it's also, I mean, it's a very unique circumstance in that it's being extended for a year after the world's been kind of locked up mm. for 12 months. Yeah, yeah. I think, so. like I said, it could be it could be a number of reasons, and um, I don't know what your thoughts are, Si. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he's not officially retired. He's hoping to be back. Um, he's oh. got his reasons for, for needing to step away for now. Um, obviously, for GB's chances, it's a massive hit. Yeah. Uh, saw some ridiculous comments on social media that he's not the player he used to be. And of course he's not. He's a different player, but he's still a great player. You know, he's not necessarily going to confront players with speed because he's not as fast as he was when he was a kid. Mm. But his brain is phenomenal. Um, his vision for passing is exceptional. Um, and he's not someone who you, you worry about. He's not going to fall to pieces under pressure. Um, and obviously, you know, on corners, he's always an asset. Um the big thing, I, I was really taken aback by listening to what Reece Smith said um, a few weeks ago about the time that Jackson took to spend with him and to, mm. an, to go through analysis of, of every little thing he did on the game. Um, that's going to be a big hit for the squad to take because mm. he's an authority. You know, he played he's played in the best league in the world for a long time. Um and he's consistently been one of the best players in the world, one of the most exciting players in the world. And he can deliver the results if it's, you know, uh, sort of a seven or an eight nil win over one of the smaller countries in the Euros, or if it's a semi final or a, or a final, he can, he'll score, you know, no matter what the platform he delivers. Um, and that's a big hit. Uh, but hopefully he'll be back. Yeah, I'd say on that, I think Jackson is a very rare breed of player in that the pressure seems to make him more consistent. Like if you look at his 
uh, kind of stats from games going back to his first run with the team and you know his, uh, his return recently in the games where the, the stakes are higher his pack, passing accuracy seems to go up his shot accuracy goes up he scores more penalty corners mm. he seems to thrive in that situation and I think that mentality is kind of what made him such a, an interesting player and such a key member of the squad to have had going into this uh, Euros and Olympic year mm. to carry us in those big games. Because mm. when you see someone upping their game that much, it can kind of lift the whole team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sorry, John. Sort of seeing him, you know, I think since he made his debut, I've seen, I've certainly on home soil, I've seen a lot of his games and I've seen him a few um, away. And people have different ways of dealing with him. Some countries just play him straight, you know, they'll, they'll try and channel him, they'll try and be fair and so on. And then others will try and foul him and hit him and whatever. And he just laughs at them and like. <laughs> it's nothing he'll he'll just deal with it um he literally laughs i'm not joking he will in their face laugh at them if they sink to that level of Mm. of uh trying to be unscrupulous about it um and he puts them in their place uh and and he he won't smack them back he'll just wang a load of goals past them and then make sure they're aware that he's done that um and that i think is a really important thing to do because so many players have flair and have skill and that's how less capable players deal with it is to hit them and then it's how you respond and you don't really i don't think i've ever seen him get card- oh no I, I saw him get carded once <laughs> when he forgot that um the clock doesn't start until you sit down so he ran off to have a wee and thought that he could come straight back on <laughs> uh, and the technical delegate would didn't start the clock until he sat down <laughs> uh, um i mean yeah. since he re- since it well when he retired and, and he came back his his attitude to the game and and his his personal attitude and 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 also his demeanor and things like that has actually changed and and it, to be honest with you it's improved his his performance this from his retirement previously to coming back right i think he's he, he i don't know he's he was so much more better i don't know how that could happen because he was actually quite good <laughs> before he retired last time that is yeah and he and he comes back and he's even and he's even better than he than he was uh, um before now Let's say, you know, he's retired now and then comes back again, even better than he was now. I don't know how that can be, but, he will, you know, if it does happen, you know, there you go. We've got an even better Ashley Jackson than when he left previously in the second retirement or whatever. I don't know. Um, OK, so, um, right. I, I don't know. I think we can praise Ashley Jackson all, all the podcast, can't we? <laughs> we've got to move on. What are we going to talk about now? Next is the England Hockey Pathways. That came out, I think you said, uh, Si, that came out today or something. Um, so what? tell the listeners what that's about if they're not English. <laughs> <laughs> well. Oh, uh, um, sorry, should I say not from England? Go on. Uh, so uh, effectively it's the um, a system by which a player can progress from playing at school or whatever all the way up to hopefully getting a nice gold olympic medal put around my neck um <laughs> and it's it's the different pathways opportunity i'm trying to avoid the word pathways it's in the title um <laughs> it's the different routes that can be taken to get there um because obviously it's some sometimes you've got kids who'll only play at school uh, and don't play club uh, until they go to university um then you've got others who only play club because their school doesn't do it um and so on and it's making sure there's uh, equity an opportunity there um and uh there's there's nods to um trying to ensure there's inclusivity and diversity covered the onus seems to be put on the clubs and on the county association or whatever the county associations become in the new structure uh, to facilitate that um and and there's not too much flesh on how that should happen um but it is it is specifically referenced which is good um so yeah, that, hopefully that, that explains it. Yeah, definitely not. It does. Yeah, definitely sure. I mean, there's, I, I, I'm not sure whether there's more uh, emphasis on diversity and, uh, and inclusion um, because there's been a lot of talk about that on social media, um, especially uh, with uh, Hockey All In um, and other people. Um, hopefully it'll get it right and we will have maybe more a more diverse, um, you know, set of individuals playing, or, or even being in the in the pathway, or even in the development uh, structure uh, in the future. So 
let's fingers crossed about that. I mean, Fraser, I mean, you you you, you do a lot of um, county stuff as well. How do you find that? I will be honest, I have not looked at the new pathways. Um, obviously, in past episodes, I've been quite vocal uh, about the, the version that came out before. Mm. where it was, you know, if you're at the right club or the right school, you can skip certain stages. Um, and I think it kind of, not throwing dirt in, in the county faces, but yeah, uh, you know, if you if you go through the county, they've got to focus on diversity and inclusion. But also, if you're at the right club, mm. you can skip ahead anyway. Mm. Um, I so I don't that, I don't want to get back into it again. No. But but I mean, look I think I think attitudes should should change and and they must change for um you know us to have a more diverse um you know county uh, teams or even national development teams and and whatever. Um there has been a lot of talk like I said on social media and uh, and people doing webinars and uh, and things like that for on this subject alone and the fact that it's disproportionate to possibly state school kids and you know we've talked about this before obviously as uh, again anyway haven't we but I think I think hopefully attitudes should and must change for change to happen I don't know you, what about what you think the uh, site uh, yeah so uh, for me it's it's vital that there's outreach to people because there's not very many role models up there right now um, there are a few um so people can see that you can come from a background other than white middle class from the south of england uh, and still get into the gb squad um so those people in those positions need to be uh put as figureheads role models their stories told uh, the challenges they faced um so that one people who face those challenges are aware of them um and and know that they that other people have overcome them so they can too and then for people such as myself who who haven't encountered those barriers perhaps um uh, but are in a position to help remove them uh, can do so mm-hmm. um and yeah from my own position as someone who's disabled it's been interesting uh becoming disabled and seeing certain things which um i wouldn't have notified noticed beforehand um mm-hmm. uh, and attitudes and whatever uh and i'm sure it's the same for, for other people it's just kind of accepted that it's the way it is um so we need when when people do make it to to that level but we show them we celebrate them we tell their stories we tell the challenges they overcame and it'll hopefully it'll inspire more people to follow yeah. suit yeah i mean interesting that you're saying all that as well uh recently hockey all in did a webinar um with um um a couple of um ex internationals from uh england and if you haven't heard or seen the webinar listeners you need to go on to hockey all in and take a look at the webinar that they did and some interesting points that came out of there uh, and and some very um shocking very shocking points were made by by one of the um you know guests on that kind of webinar um and you know they they're doing a good job and hopefully people will be able to go and listen to the webinar or watch the webinar and and, and have a look at what um the guests were saying um about how they were not treated as such but how they were in in a in a certain you know kind of environment where they didn't feel they kind of was accepted or belonged so what one of the things i found quite interesting was things like unconscious exclusion so all the kids turn up to county or regional trials or whatever and they're wearing their school tops and there's five or six of them all from the same school so you know they're together and you know they're all well coached well set up and then you turn up wearing like a man united top because you don't have a hockey top yeah um and it immediately identifies you as other um You know, you could still be, like I said earlier, you could be still middle class white southern. Um, but by not being at the right school, uh, you you feel excluded. But also the coaches, it changes the credibility in some of their eyes. They see, oh, well, this person goes to that school, therefore they're coached by this person. They mm. play at this level. Mm. I know they're less of a risk to take, or it's someone who I probably should pick. Mm. Um, and it's not done on merit. Um, so maybe it needs to be that there's even just something like a standardisation of a cheap T-shirt that they all wear, and it gets rid of little things like that, mm. which could um, catch people's attention. But yeah, the, the, the two the two webinars they've done so far for Hockey All In are great, and they've had some good people on there talking. Yeah, definitely. So if you haven't heard, listened to it or watched it, 
uh, guys, get on there and have a look and have a listen uh, because there is some interesting uh, chat going on there. Um, I'm not sure whether you, you've you've listened to them or have you heard them or, or whatever phrase. Have you have you listened to them at all? Uh, I've not got around to listening to the second one as of yet now. Yeah, In- interesting. It's quite interesting. Um, definitely, definitely eye-opener as well, that one. I mean, the first one was anyway. Uh, yeah. This one is definitely another eye-opener for some people out there. Um, and this is something that we need to, we need to, as a hockey family, just eradicate, to be honest with you. We need to do it. We're progressive. We're a progressive sport. We, you know, other sports followers, we, we started doing, like, uh, you know, video referrals, then, you know, football decided to do it as well, you know what I mean? But we do it a lot better anyway. <laughs> but, you know, we are a progressive sport. I'm not sure the Irishmen will agree with you on that one. <laughs> Quite true, but that's what out of like you know. I'm, I'm sorry, being silly. I'm being silly. Sorry, sorry, Ireland. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, you know, like I said, we're a progressive sport, and 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 I think we always have. Been. So if we can make the changes, we can apply those changes, and 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 try and do it better than other sports. Hopefully, other sports will come on board and do what we're doing. Anyway, let's let's carry on. Again, probably could talk about this forever. Yeah. Um, What's what's next, uh, Fraser? Well, keeping the good times rolling, we're going to talk <laughs> about the Australian investigation that has completed recently. Uh, I don't know if, if you've both seen the 29 recommendations that yeah. they put across. The report um, that wasn't a report, basically. <laughs> the, the report that has not been made public as of yet. Yeah. Yeah. But there was a list of recommendations which I think were made public. Yeah, yeah. They were, yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously, oh. their head coach stepped down 12 hours before this report went through, which. Yeah, personally, I think that's a patsy. He's a patsy. Yeah. I think he's um, a patsy. He, you know, it's not necessarily his fault, or, or, or it could be. Um, and I don't know. It seems to be institutional. Yeah. I, I believe that's the terminology used in one of the things I've seen, institutionalised dysfunction. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was a defence from a few people, um, certainly the reverse stick have mentioned it, but I've seen a few others say it, about they're asking basically full-time results and full-time performances from part-time actors. Um, so that's probably a fair criticism or a fair defence, or I don't know what, what, what to call it, of, of those responsible. But the language concerned me. That, you know, athletes was one of the last things mentioned on who it's been hard on. Um, one of the tweets, it said that it's been really hard on the administrators of Hockey Australia. Well, unfortunately, that's your job, but if you're in that position, that <laughs> uh, you need to do this review, it's going to be tough. Um, don't let it happen in the first place, you know? <laughs> I mean, the thing, thing is, I mean, it, it could it would have it could have been avoided if they acted upon the the complaints or the or, or the or, or the you know reports that they got from the athletes, right? It could have been quashed right there and then. Okay, as soon as anything happens, so you know, like let's say I'm the administrator and and a player comes up to me and says, well, to be honest with you, that person said something like this, right, to me, uh, and I'm a bit uncomfortable with that or whatever. And then it's up to me as the administrator to sort of like go approach that person and say, look, you know, it's nothing, it's nothing major, right? But we've 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 had someone come up to us uh, and say something like, you know, what you've basically said. Let's let's just you know knock it on the head and let it not happen again. But if it's consistently happening all the time, even after complaints are being made about the same sort of thing, then obviously there's a problem in the administration, isn't there? And it. It really does affect players, you know, the athletes. If they didn't have the athletes, they wouldn't have a team. The athletes are the most important thing in that in that structure, in that organisation, for sure, and they've got to be protected. Yeah, I think it's something I think is really important to say is that it's, it's good that the athletes, either those who were engaged now and those who used to be part of the programme, have come out and said all this stuff. Mm. And particularly Anna Flanagan and Georgie Parker have been relentless in their determination to try and improve things. Yeah. Uh, you know, they don't have much skin in the game now. Neither of them seem to have any interest in playing. I mean, Georgie Parker has just packed up and played a different sport now. Um, <laughs> but um, Anna Flanagan picked up on, I think there was a comment by the CEO saying if someone had brought it to their attention, they'd have done something about it. So she screenshotted the email in which she brought it to his attention. <laughs> um 
yeah. so she blanked out the bits which were were sensitive yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that that's gutsy but it's important to do it yeah. uh, and, and what she said about the language used to her by an assistant coach was was really shocking about um uh, there was a photograph taken where her sports bra was showing or something like, like a strap or something I, I don't know what yeah. the image was but um that there was very derogatory language used yeah. regarding that uh, and it's, it's part of a game uh, anyway but you know they're, they're trying to become more marketable so even if it had been deliberate um you know she she has her own interests to look out for she needs to develop her own profile as, as a you know she's only playing for so long yeah. but regardless of the how and the why and by the sound of it it was an innocent thing it's not like um she was trying to to, to flaunt anything or whatever um it's just unacceptable language from someone in that position you know if someone she misbehaving in a way it should be a mate who puts an arm around the shoulder and says maybe you shouldn't do that yeah, yeah. not the assistant coach because it doesn't affect her performance on a pitch does it no 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 when i saw when i saw that i was like oh my god you don't you don't use language like that you just don't do it no you know you, you there's there's better ways of actually being like or saying stuff to someone, uh, you know, or even just giving them a bit of advice, like you're saying, you know, as a as a fr- you know a friend would turn up to you and say, well, you know, maybe I just have a look at that because it doesn't look great or whatever. Um, just I just found again, you know, like you're saying, uh, Anna Flanagan has been quite vocal about it, and when people come out and say when when somebody comes out and says, well, if it was brought to our attention, we would have done something about it, and then she does something like that, and it was brought to the attention, and you don't do anything like that. My you know my point before you know if somebody's coming to you and complaining about something and it's consistently complaining about the same thing and by other athletes and you don't do anything about it you are responsible you need to go because you're obviously not doing your job properly and you're not protecting your assets and that's what the athletes are the assets and the most important assets of any organization because without them you wouldn't actually have a job without them you wouldn't have a team anyway. Fraser, you're a bit quiet. Taff the CEO of Hockey Australia. (laughs) You're a bit quiet, Fraser. No, it's because I don't want to argue with you because I think you're both making very valid points, (laughs) some of which I almost think should go without say, but the fact that we have to say it is kind of heartbreaking. Exactly, Um, I know. I mean, I went on a bit of a soapbox then, but... (laughs) I mean, the, the athlete management side of elite sport is obviously something that needs to be taken very, very seriously. And I know having listened to like the reverse stick and other people when they're talking about this and seeing some of the, the reports um, or the reports of reported incidents that have mm. come out in uh, some news articles that I've seen around this. And it, it's just baffling how low priority athlete welfare seems to be in some cases. Yeah. Oh, no, I totally agree. That that needs to change. And if it's happening in other countries, then you know what? It's, it'll come out eventually if it is happening in other countries and you, you're not going to get away with it. No one's going to get away with it because somebody somewhere is going to come out and say something. So apply the changes now if you're not doing it. So if there's any NGBs out there right, listening, apply the changes now, boys and girls, because you know what? It's not going to be a secret for very long. Um, okay, right. Listen, that's uh, we'll we'll get we'll come on to better things, shall we? <laughs> that was a bit depressed. So, guys, um, what do we got next? Have we got anything next, or is is that basically it, guys? Uh, um, do we so- want to call out? Uh, Keely Dunn's new position. Oh, oh yeah. yes, of course, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and finally, well, this is any other business in it, really. So yeah, Keely Dunn's position. Um, we should have been top of the show, this, basically. Sorry. Yeah, let's go and redo the intro. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing news that uh, she's basically become a Canadian manager, traveling manager. Is that traveling right? manager? Yeah. Uh, great, great. Honestly, I mean, we we know Keely, don't we? Um, I know her personally, and and do you start? You do. You know her personally, don't you as well? A little bit, yeah. You do as well, don't you, Fraser? Uh, I actually don't know her personally. I you only don't. know her through social media. Really? No, you you got, you got to get to know her. She's, I was very she's disappointed a, she's, that with with the with the Masters World Cup being um, postponed or cancelled in Nottingham, she was heading over here to play. So I was yeah, yeah. She'd been talking about how she'd had you know her knees replaced and all that sort of stuff. I think it was replaced. Hopefully, I got that right. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, give me a red card if I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was really looking forward to seeing that because you know I think it's, it's really enjoyable when you see the umpires um, pick up a stick. It can be quite entertaining, and 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 they also they know a lot because they've seen so much. They know how to play the game well yeah. so i was looking forward to that but yeah no it's really good news that she's got this position i think she'll be a massive asset for them oh yeah definitely for sure and a nightmare for the umpires 
<laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. probably. Here's why you're wrong. She'll command the respect, though, because you know she she knows virtually all the international umpires anyway. So yeah, I, I think she'll she'll tackle any disagreement sensitively in, in a professional manner. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, sure. I think you, I'm can sure you imagine her on the sideline. Here are the points that you made that are wrong, and here's why <laughs> they're wrong in detail. <laughs> well, I've always thought like umpiring, say Lorraine Del Forge in um in the Belgian top division must be an absolute nightmare because if, if you see her facial reaction you'll know if you made a mistake and obviously she's got a different view because her head's you know she's paying attention to where she where the ball's going where the action is so she will naturally miss a few things that you know kicks back of her foot or something but on more technical stuff she's probably going to be right <laughs> yeah definitely it's a bit of a chastising I, I remember when i was umpiring it was only a friendly but um I was umpiring our, our men's first team. We had um, the most sympathetic player on the planet to umpires. Nick Thompson was playing, um, and he was talking me through why every decision I made was wrong. And I was his <laughs> manager normally, but I was I was helping out to umpire, and 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 he talked me through it. And I thought, no, yeah, I, you might be right. Whoops. <laughs> I mean, it sits in the back of your head. I'm sure. I think Keely will be very professional about it. And, yeah, uh, sure. yeah, yeah. I think so. I think like like you're saying, uh, uh, an asset for um, field hockey Canada. But yeah, definitely a good asset for them. Um, and good luck to you, Keely, if you're listening. And I know you do listen to this podcast. Uh, so uh, good luck to you, and uh, honestly, well deserved for sure. Okay, so yeah, and finally, so we'll go on to the next bit, which is um, what I want to talk about is the previous podcast. We, don't, we haven't done this before, and I don't know why we haven't done this before, but yeah, we're gonna go we're gonna go through every month talking about what previous podcasts we've had. If you've missed them, then you'll know that you've missed them, and hopefully go back and listen to them anyway. So the first one, obviously, the very first one that we did were this this last month uh, was the. Um, Wembley special, which was called uh, Living the uh, Wembley Magic, Reliving the Wembley Magic, sorry, 17th uh, anniversary special. Uh, so if you haven't heard that or listened to it, go back and listen to it. It's all about um, the Wembley years, which was from 1951 to 1991, and some great insight from some uh, players that took part in that um, in in some of those games anyway. Um, and if you ever went to Wembley, maybe you can listen to the podcast and relive it with them. Because to, to be honest with you, when when we did it, it was it was like you know being back then when they were talking about you know the crowds and what they had to do and and everything like that. So yeah, it took me back, even though I I never went. <laughs> Um, the next one that we did uh, was the um, monthly podcast, obviously, um, because we released the special on the day of the anniversaries, which happened to be the first day of when we would release the monthly podcast. So we delayed the monthly podcast for a, uh, for a week and we talk about uh, some of the transfers and other kind of like general hockey chats. So if you haven't listened to the monthly podcast, then uh, go and have a listen to that. The next one was uh, an interview done were by Simon, uh, which was Nicky Simmons. Um, maybe you can give a bit more of a um, a, a brief on yeah. that. Yeah, I mean Nikki's um, she's an amazing person. Um, she was a, an amazing. She was a, such a strong leader on the pitch. Um, as a photographer, she was great to photograph because she's very expressive. When she was angry, everyone knew it. When she was happy, everyone knew it. Um, <laughs> she. Yeah, when she left, uh, when she retired, um, she joined uh, the FIH in running sort of like digital comms, uh, came up with some really innovative ideas and helped move things forward a lot. Um, and, you know, there's still some great work going on from Rich and, and, and Sarah today. And, uh, yeah, she's she's now working in a very interesting job. We didn't talk too much about her current job, but she also does a lot with um, uh, inclusivity, um, championing, that sort of stuff. And, yeah, in Ireland, that's the other random thing is in Ireland, she's not just known for being an international hockey player she's also uh, a former international cricket player um and she apparently was a very good tennis player as well she's just one of those horrible people who's really charismatic really good looking really good at sport but no she's lovely she's lovely and yeah it was the really, really the question for those people is can you play the bagpipes <laughs> no one can play the bagpipes <laughs> Uh, yeah, so if you haven't listened to that Nikki Simmons podcast, uh, yeah, go and have a listen to it. It's uh, quite interesting what she says and how, how her career started and how, how she's getting on now as well. Um, the next one that we did was the uh, our new series, which is called uh, Brand Pitch. 
and our first one was uh, done by Fraser, which was on uh, with uh, Crown Hockey. Some really interesting and quite informative stuff that are coming out of there, uh, Fraser. Go on, you might as well tell, tell the uh, listeners what the uh, brief was. Yeah, so I sat down and was chatting with Evan from Crown Hockey. Uh, Crown, I think, are the most innovative in their manufacturing of hockey sticks and how they, they make their decisions. So they don't build their brand in the same way that some others do. And I thought that was quite interesting to talk about, as well as obviously all the manufacturing stuff that I could get him to, to tell me, despite the fact that most of it is a closely guarded secret. Yeah. I mean, it, it did it did give you a, a little bit of an insight on what uh, what they do, and obviously not, didn't give too much away and stuff. Um, but it was quite interesting what he, what he had to say about the, the process and the different processes that uh, some of them do and, uh, and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's quite it's a good good listen again um so if you haven't uh listened to that one uh listen to it we've got we've got more coming in the future is that right fraser yeah uh there's a few more brands that i have spoken to and are interested in doing it so it's just kind of uh crossing the t's and dotting the i's of when we're doing <laughs> it but i won't announce it until it's actually recorded yeah yeah <laughs> But yeah, there's some some really keep interesting people, keep people brands. in suspense. You see, keep people in suspense, right? So they have to listen out for what it is and who who you're actually going to be interviewing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, Crown was a great uh, start to uh, to this new series that we're uh, we're going to be doing. Um, so hopefully, other brands um, uh, will want to come on board and and get that done as well. So if there are any other brand you know managers out there who would want to come on and talk about their brand and how what their uh, products and services are like and and whatever uh, and what they got planned for the future then you know come on board and uh, we'll make some room for you of course the next one uh, which was the latest one that we released actually duke actually dog actually dog yeah i knew i'd get that wrong i i, I had to be repeatedly trained and i'm probably still saying it wrong <laughs> so that was basically uh, released on saturday um and it's um the Belgium number one keeper is that right um and she talked to you Sai so you want to give us a little bit of a brief on what happened there yeah so actually doing some research ahead of it I learned some stuff I hadn't already known I, I, she's always been a goalkeeper that I respected I think her footwork and her ability to scramble is, is really really good um she was one of the first goalkeepers to stand out as wax like, you don't often see them outside of their kit um unless you go to these tournaments but she stood out as one of the first who really was getting you know stacked uh and, and really athletic um so I, I she's always sort of been on the radar but then you know sort of it was really interesting to talk with her about her experiences um, as a black athlete in a very white sport, but also in a very white country. Um, and also the, the real, I think the, the real opportunity was to also learn about um, her experience as a woman who was pregnant, trained through her pregnancy, um, managed it with the Federation so that it was done safely um and then very quickly six weeks postpartum returning to the national so uh, squad uh she's got some goals in mind as to uh when she's aiming for selection um and she talks through how she did those sorts of things and yeah i was just blown away i mean it's it's something that happens a lot that when women get pregnant they stop um and you know or they or they step down a lot of levels um so i thought it was really good that this young athlete was was doing this and had a plan in place and everything was teed up really well um and she's she's a role model in every sort of way um there's lots of stuff that we discovered on the podcast that i on the interview but i'd never had any idea of before i won't spoil it here um <laughs> but yeah it was it was really fascinating um and like nikki just i'm in awe of this one you know she's amazing I mean, I, I was very interested when I when I obviously heard it and, and listened to it, which, which was the fact that um, she actually played. Sorry, she actually trained while she was pregnant, and I was thinking, wow, there's not a lot of people who would actually do that, and 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 to do it that to do it safely was was obviously a priority, and and she obviously got a lot of um um you know advice from you know people medical people and things like that to see whether it was actually safe to do which which obviously it was but yeah uh, the interview was really good again some interesting uh, points that she was making um again 
like you were saying, it's don't we're not going to spoil it. <laughs> uh, go out and listen to it because it's it's something that yeah you know some people will be interested in, especially the fact that you know she's she's had a baby, she's come back, she was trading while she was pregnant as well, um, and she gives you a bit of insight on how that happened as well. Um, cool. So yeah, um, that's the end of the podcast that we did for last month. Um, so hopefully we'll, well, not hopefully, but we will do another one uh, at the end of uh, next month uh, when we bring out a new podcast and let you know any podcast that you missed. Uh, so go out and listen to them. They're still available. They always will be. Right, um, Fraser, I'll let you uh, go for the next uh, one because it's your baby. <laughs> Yeah, let me just climb up onto my soapbox here. <laughs> yeah, so as I've mentioned previously, uh, in the running of Boss F Hockey, I have a Patreon set up. I only ask for very small amounts. I ask for one pound, one euro, or one dollar, because that is the minimum amount I can ask for. With that, you would get early access to all of my reviews. You'll get entered into exclusive giveaways. Uh, I currently have a giveaway running as well. So if you were to, to go and sign up now, you'd be entered into that giveaway. Um, I'm putting up more and more exclusive content onto my Patreon, stuff that I'm not putting out anywhere else. And all that money will go to help develop stuff like Talk Hockey Radio and other hockey content to get shared out. Cool. Excellent. I'll go and get on to my soapbox now, eh? Shall I? We at Talk Hockey Radio don't have a Patreon. Although I did set one up, and but I never did anything about it, really. But uh, we do have a donation area on our website now, um, which is uh, donating through uh, PayPal. So if you want to support this podcast, you can get onto our website. And on the front page, on the right-hand column, you'll see a donation um, kind of like donation box. If you click on it, you can donate as much or as little as you want, to be honest with you. So it could be a pound, a dollar, uh, or whatever. Uh, or it could be more you can actually do reoccurring um, sort of like uh, donations or you can just do a one-off it's up to yourselves Uh, but if you like the content that we do here please do um, support us because although we do this for free um, we do have costs behind the scenes about creating this content and keeping the website alive as well and things like that so it would be a real good uh, help if you could do that um you might have uh, also uh, realized that we also have a shop um so if you buy something from the shop and that will again help the website the podcast uh to carry on as well um so yeah i mean we've got a few good things on there um we we're looking into you know getting more stuff on there as well so it will it'll start expanding uh, quite shortly uh, with a lot more uh, products to to buy from uh, from us. That's all I got really. Do you do you have any rev- giveaways to go? Or what you were saying? Yeah, so I have a giveaway currently live on Patreon. All you have to do is be uh, a subscribing member of uh, the Boss F Hockey Club. I get you entered in. As with all of my Patreon giveaways, the more Patreons I get, the more prizes I'm going to give away. So I'm going to give away at least one stick. Mm. If I reach a certain milestone, I'm going to give away two sticks. If I reach a further milestone, I'll give away three. All right. Uh, They'll all be previously reviewed sticks that are in good quality. Some sticks don't come out of the review process in the best of shapes, but if they're in good shape, they go into the prize pool. When I pick a winner, I'll send them a list of available sticks and they can choose whichever one they want from there. I think, I mean, to be honest with you, you were saying that they're not in great shape, but they're, they're, they're going to be in, in in great shape in the sense that they haven't actually been played with in, in, a, in a match, so they're going to be in pretty decent shape anyway. Or just a so, bit of uh, thing. Yeah, so when I, I use a stick for a review, I use it for usually about three weeks. I will sometimes use them in matches. Right. Um, and some of them don't fare very well in those matches. If they have <laughs> certain like lumps kicked out of them, <laughs> I feel kind of bad giving those away. Um, but like I say, if you go to patreon.com forward slash boss F hockey, all the stuff's up there. I also put up things like um, spoilers for what reviews I have upcoming. Mm. I will sometimes put up in progress reviews and let people know kind of initial thoughts when I've used a stick for a week or something like that. Mm. I've got some comparison pieces going up comparing uh, the various shoes that I've tried so far. 
this season, which includes the Osaka Idios, the Lux 2.0s, and the Mizuno uh, Pantheras. Uh, I've just put up the first of a series of Y1 reviews. So they were all filmed prior to lockdown, and I've just decided that since we're coming out of lockdown in the UK, now is a good time to start putting them out again. <laughs> I have more reviews coming up. So I have another Osaka review coming in the next few weeks, uh, dependent on pitch bookings. So there's more content coming out. There's more giveaways going to be happening. And like I say, the Patreon is just to cover the cost because although I do get sent the sticks, there is other costs involved, uh, pitch bookings, getting good equipment so that it doesn't look like it's been filmed on a potato. <laughs> And then there's, there's other costs involved of like giveaways, so like sending out prizes. Sometimes the prizes have to go international. Shipping yeah. a stick internationally can be quite expensive. I'm happy to cover that cost, but I also try to put that money towards developing stuff for hockey. So some of you will have seen uh, that a few years ago I ran a hockey subscription company, mm. which was Boss F Hockey Box. In that, I made the most affordable goal target screen that I've ever seen. Mm. Uh, similar products retail for over a hundred pounds and i put it in a box that cost 25 so it's stuff like that that i i kind of want to do to try and help develop hockey and especially want to develop hockey on social media so it it all goes to back into hockey yeah definitely just like us i'm I'm, uh, for sure yeah we're all we're all doing it for free but you know there are costs involved and that's basically why we ask for like donations or subscriptions or whatever so you know if you can help either uh you know don't help don't help don't help phrase um you can help Fraser or myself. Well, or one of my friends pointed out to me the other day, if you think about it, the sticks that I'm giving away cost over £150. Yeah. So it's 150 months of supporting me on Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Before you, you've you lost out. Yeah. In 150 months, you're likely to win a stick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For sure. Definitely. Okay, I think uh, that's it, guys, I think, isn't it? I think I, I don't think we've got anything else unless you've got any other, you know, anything that's popped up in your heads. No? Cool. Well, there you go then, guys. This is, or oh, you have been listening to the Talk Hockey Radio podcast. Um, I'd like to thank Fraser and Simon for joining me again this month, and hopefully we you'll be re- joining me again next month. Uh, we've got, obviously, more interviews coming up and also... Um, you know, our new series on uh, brand pitch as well. So listen out for them. Um, thanks, Fraser. Thanks, Taff. Thanks, Simon. Cheers, Taff. And hopefully I'll speak to you quite soon, boys. Thank you very much.